Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new special edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? Well, greetings, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. I'm doing very well. I've got my Arbucks coffee, as usual, and I'm raring to go. Well, as long as we have our Arbucks, we know the rest of the day will be fine, right? Well, it's it's one of the pillars upon which LFP Worldwide Headquarters yeah. leans. Yeah, that it, and it's it leans in like the the way that Leaning Tower of Pisa does, as a matter of fact. So I wouldn't say they're straight pillars. You know, Alan, geometry tells us that if you have, let's say, a stool, you need at least three legs for it to be uh, stable. So Arbex is one of the legs, and uh, I don't know. I think Robonstantine's one of the legs, <laughs> and. Carvey's the other one. That would explain why it leans a little bit. We keep stealing his yeah. parts. Yeah, it's Carvey is backwards compatible with PlayStation, but he, he doesn't make a very stable stool leg. That is a great point. That is a great point. Well, hey, Mark, enough of that. I, we should talk about the thing we're here to talk about today. Did you know what today is, Mark? Oh, wait, 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 wait. That, that's right. Today is one of those, isn't it? It is. Loyal viewers, you know what that means. It's a... Live from Pawnee presents Pawnee Spotlight. Yeah. That's right. Mark, today is our Pawnee Spotlight episode. We had a recent interview with Yvonne Jourdain, and uh, it was a terrific interview as always. Yeah, it was a real treat to talk to Yvonne. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, this might sound dumb. I think the thing that surprised me the most was how different he was from Councilman Hauser. Oh, my I mean, gosh. It, it, yeah. in a lot of ways, they're alike. They're both smart sure. and they're nice. But yeah, we were well, on the quiet to, side, maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. But we rarely got to see um, Councilman Hauser uh, emote on screen besides maybe reacting to Leslie's insanity. Her, her buffoonery. Yes. Her buffoonery. That's yeah, right. That he seemed to always be in the right place to catch her being wrong. Correct. Yes. And, uh, you know, he was a, Yvonne's was a great guy to talk to. He's very down to earth. He's, he's obviously, he's, uh, you know, an actor, a character actor. He's back at acting. He took some time off, which we found out in the interview, which was fascinating. So, yeah, uh, a lot of interest, not just in acting. And, uh, I I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, I did too. I, I, I thought it was a blast. And I know we say this about most of our interviews and we're, we're fortunate enough for it to usually be accurate. But I really had a good time talking with them. I enjoyed this. Yeah, I did too as well. Well, hey, Mark, I think that's maybe our cue to play this thing. And then we'll come right back and wrap it up. Let's do it, man. All right, everybody. Our interview with Yvonne Jordan. Thanks for uh, joining us. We've been trying to put this together for a while. We have. We have been trying to put it. At first, I thought you guys were like, you know, uh, some kind of it's on Facebook. So reaching out, I get some, you know, weird. Sure. We press sure. sometimes and I just ignore it. And then it came back and I was like, well, let me look into this and then realize you guys were legit. <laughs> <laughs> we're as legit as um, they come. We like to tell people that anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're you're in L.A., right? I'm in L.A. Yeah. How's the weather? I have I'm, to ask. It's not nice here. Yeah. Well, where where are you guys? We're in Indianapolis. Okay. We like to say we're at what, Mark, 90 minutes north of Pawnee? Is that what we usually A couple hours about? north of Pawnee. That's yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> so you guys are literally in the state. Okay. We are. I'm That's actually right, currently right now in Palm Springs and the weather's beautiful. Oh, good. Right. Oh, awesome. Good yeah. for you. Before, yeah. Yeah. It was my uh, escape during the pandemic. Um, this was where I came to 
get away from everything because LA was a little crazy still. Uh, I, I I had no idea um, that there was such a, well, I guess a fan base for Parks and Recreation because during the years that it ran, it did well, but yeah. it was always the little engine that could. Right. So, you know, once it was done, it was just moving on to other things. And, and lo and behold, Netflix came along and I started getting people saying stuff and and I had no idea the character had a what it was what was happening with the character outside <laughs> of doing the show. Um, right. So when you guys reached out, I was like, obviously something's going on. Let me find out. Well, th- th- this week we're actually covering your very last episode, which is Ron and Jamie from season seven. So we're we're in season seven now. I think we've got 12 episodes to go. And then we're done. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what, what episode? I, I don't even know what I did in that episode. I'm going to tell you. I, I think in Ron and Jamie, you may have been uh, kind of in the background along with the other mm-hmm. councilmen that were you were yeah. going to vote on something. Because I think that's uh, Leslie was trying to get Councilman Jam yeah. to side with her and that sort of thing. Got it. Yeah, they had their their little nemesis thing going on um, throughout the season. Um, which was fun. We, we call them the mm-hmm. Leslie Nemesi. There are so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But how did so, you come to your role on Parks and Rec? I'm just, just yeah. curious. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it's an audition that I was not going to go to. I, um, I had had an, I had a series of audition and backtrack. I had, what was kind of, phasing out of acting in a sense, because I had just applied to grad school um, for clinical psychology and I got accepted and I had started that process. And I kept in contact with my agent and she submitted me for something. And I had, I think three auditions that day. And that one came at the last minute. And I was like, I don't feel like going home, change, putting on a suit and doing this thing. And I told her I wasn't going to make it. And she said, you know, um, let me find out. I said, because I'm doing this. And she eventually got them to move my time a little later so I can have time to do it because there was no time. And when I walked in, the size she gave me was not the size for the character. So it was the first scene that I did of the first season. And I saw other guys in suits and I was like, hmm, they have this other name on theirs and why, and we're the only ones in suits. So I looked and I said, and I looked at what they were reading for and I realized that's what I should have been reading for as well. So all of what I prepped with, with the other sides, was had to go out the window. So I had to make quick, you know, studying, having theater training. I was able to come up with something that worked enough for me to get the job. And I had no idea that I even booked the job. It was done back in November. And I think sometime in January, late February, or they called and said, remember that audition you did back in sometime in um, November, December? Well, they want want you for the role. And I was like, okay. And I knew it was a comedy and it was new because it was under a new contract and it was slowly after the strike and a lot of things had changed in the way things were structured and i was intimidated what calmed me down was chris pratt whom i'd known before i'd met him before he became chris pratt yeah because we worked out at the same gym so and and he came up he's like hey how are you doing we um i kicked it back and forth for a little bit and he's like oh man don't worry about it. it's gonna be fun it's just they're really easy going what happened i was like okay cool because i don't think i'm funny i'm not the i'm not the um uh, uh, Amy Poehler, or they come off with things. John Glazer, really quick-witted, and they're improv kings and queens. Oh, yeah. 
I'm not an improv person. That's not my training. <laughs> and so when I went to the audition, I was a little concerned about that. And and I thought they didn't like me. I thought I did what I did because what happens in comedy is they change the lines. If it, if the joke is not landing, they'll change the line. I subsequently wow. found that it had nothing to do with your acting. It's just they realized the joke that they had in their mind is not landing. So they changed it. And I thought because they took the line away from me. <laughs> that, right. I was like, oh, he's I was like, I told my agent, I was like, you know what? They hated me. I'm <laughs> glad I had the opportunity. And that was it. And it, and it was a one-shot deal. It was just, it was you know, come in, do the role, leave. And that was it. And that's all I thought it was. And then they kept bringing me back. And I was like, wait a minute. And she's like, um, Parks and Recreation wants you to come back to do another episode. I was like, really? They okay. I was like, okay, so whatever you think of yourself, because we're all insecure actors. We're all insecure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, all right. And meanwhile, I'm in grad school and I'm doing Parks and Recreation when it shows up. Wow. So, and that was wow. the first episode was, and that's the one where Chris Pratt is on her back. Oh yeah. And they're walking. That yes. was my very, very first episode. That's right. And subsequently they kept calling me back. And then 19 episodes later, here we are. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when, when you first auditioned, did you have any idea that it was going to be a, a recurring role through most of the seasons? No, there was none of that. It was not even a recurring role. That was not how it was presented. It was presented as this one, the scene that they wanted to have with her and him. But they realized, I guess, at some point, because I did talk to one of the writers, I was like, because I shared, I was like, you know, I thought you guys, they was like, oh, no, no, we loved your character. Actually, the 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 way they have it set up is that I'm the moral compass and the straight man for the show, yep. in the sense. So while everything's happening around Pawnee, my character remains the same one, if you will. <laughs> and the, the one that's looking at everything like, how did I end up in this position with all these people doing what they're doing? Right. Um, and so, and they, they explained that that's the, the way they set it up so that my character's always around when, when Leslie Nope, any Polish character is doing something that's unbecoming of a council member. <laughs> you and were always uh, yeah, in the right so. place at her wrong time uh, yes her wrong exactly <laughs> that's a good point right place at her wrong time that's right so they kind of use that to string it along through all the episodes wow and i, yeah. I think you started in season two like you said you did 19 episodes did, do you mm -hmm. do, do, do any one of them stand out as a favorite or is it hard to remember this many years later you it's hard to remember but um i remember animal Animal Patrol was yes. it? Yes, was one of them that I just found hilarious because um, those guys were high and and <laughs> trying to. <laughs> oh my god! I remember that episode. I really enjoyed, and the one where, um, and I don't know if I was in that one, but it was the one where she, uh, was trying to save the bookstore, and it turned oh, out yeah. to come. The porn shop. They saved the bookstore, but it was a porn shop afterwards. Yes. And so <laughs> right. that, episode, <laughs> that episode killed me. But I guess my favorite is the one that I had with um when she was running for office and and I had a um, um scene with uh with Rob Lowe. And that's one of my uh, my favorite episodes because it was when she was trying to get on the that's um, right on the board. Yeah. And that yeah, that one stands out to me. And and a couple other ones too, but that one stands out to me in my mind's eye. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, I love you know, your description of, of of your character because I think that's the way Mark has talked about you many times on the show, like that kind of moral center. And everyone else is nuts, but you're 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 not. You're us, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm 
I guess I'm the the audience looking at my God, these characters are wacky, but we're going along for the ride. Right. Yeah, well, and, so. and and particularly on the city council, I mean, you know, you have these crazy other councilmen who are just like selfish and kind of out for themselves. And Councilman Hauser is the only one worth a darn, really, other than Leslie, um, which kind of made me wonder when you got the uh, uh, the, the context for this role. Did you have any idea what sort of no good rascals these other councilmen would be? No, I had no idea. And Kevin Simmons and I became friends during the show. And they picked up on Kevin's kind of like lasciviousness. So they <laughs> kind of played off that with him always chasing the ladies. Right. And it's not that he's, that's not how he is. But there was something he did in one of his episodes that, and they wrote it in because, you know, he's always you know, looking out for an opportunity to get laid, basically. Yeah. Right. And and so they kind of picked up off on little things about it. I'm I'm um more reserved as a person. So I don't think I gave the writers enough to pick up on my personality from the pickup. And they picked up on the reserve part of it. So they used that. Yeah. But there were times and I recognized there were times when we were doing um because each time we would do something called a fun run that that Amy started. And it was spinning off whatever the script was. And I I know Amy was trying to get more of me out because she would always say, Councilman Hauser, what do you think? And I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> because everybody is improvising at this time. So everybody's improvising, really going back and forth. And I'm and the minute she was saying something, it's like, deer in headlights. I have no idea what to say because I'm I'm kind of in an audience in awe of their ability at the time that I'm. Because you give me the script, I can play with it and do whatever, come up with different variations of it. But when it's just me thinking off the top of my head and coming up with something witty, because that's what everybody's doing, I just froze. I would just, I would freeze and would say something, but it's never like laugh out loud funny like everybody else was doing during the time. So I always appreciated that she was trying to get me involved <laughs> because that gave the writers a sense of, I guess, the the where some of the where they can merge the character and the actor. Mm. And bring out some things to storylines to let them be a little bit more free in that. And I don't think I was able to give them enough to go off of. So they just used more of my more of my being reserved uh, to to tell the story through through us. Um, I do remember the one episode that really was amazing was uh, with uh, uh, it was the one with God. What's his name? Shoot, it just escaped me. He did. He did a um, filibuster. Pat Nozzle. and um, Pat, Pat Nozzle. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. We sat there in awe of him because he was one of those that was like, "Let's just do a riff," because he only had to stand there and be a filibuster, and that was the written. And it's like, "Just do whatever you want." And he did this whole thing, and it's on YouTube. The whole eight minutes of it, <laughs> where he just riffs off, and I'm sure you guys have seen it since you oh, know. Yeah. So he does that that riff for on Star Wars, and it was amazing we all just sat there like wow and he just kept going and going and going and going until they said okay cut we got it yeah i know what so, you mean that's a whole nother that level was intimidating. Of improv. i bet oh yeah a whole nother level of improv that was like i was like my god these guys are just so brilliant so and i'm used to drama more than anything mm. you know comedy this was kind of my first job was will and grace but again i was a straight man on that and and then the next comedy I did was, was this one. But most of the time, most of my career job, especially theater-wise, is the most drama. 
Mm -hmm. Comedy was not so much in my wheelhouse, but I end up playing certain things that find people find funny and I just say thank you and keep it pushing. Well, you were very funny in Parks and Rec for sure. Uh, you know, we were always very impressed with Councilman Hauser. And you're right. I mean, he was more of the straight man, but still, you did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Would you say that uh, it sounds like maybe a drama is more in your, would you say, comfort zone in general than, than it, comedy? Yeah, it's in my comfort zone. Um, I, 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 my, com my comedic timing is on reacting to the absurdity of things. Mm. Yeah, And I understand when I get a script that I'm the straight man to, so I don't try to come off, try to be funny. I just play the realism of the scene. And then, then return, that is the humor because somebody's being very direct. And, you know, comedy is just that, ex uh, um, ex uh, not extended, uh, exaggerated realism mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Everybody's so serious about what they're talking about that makes it funny. And certain things besides the you know slapstick humor sure and with that show right. it's more about the seriousness of how they were so earnest especially <laughs> amy poehler she was so earnest about what she was doing that you had to laugh because it was it's just so absurd some of the stuff that she was trying to get done for the city of pawnee wow. you, you know a lot of yeah. your scenes were with amy and, and you've already mentioned rob Lowe, but who else from the main cast did you get a chance to have scenes with? I, I feel like I remember at least Adam Scott and, and Nick Offerman and, and probably Chris Pratt, at least at one point. Adam, Chris, Chris Pratt, yes. But really, it was mainly Amy, Rob Lowe. Um, I never worked with Aubrey. Hmm. I think I I think I had, I was in the room with Aziz, hmm. but we didn't, have, we didn't actually have a scene together. And I was in the room with Jim O'Hare as well, yeah. but we actually had a scene together. So they were like in terms of the dialogue with each other. Yeah. So there were scenes, there were scenes that I was with some of the other cast members, but they weren't part of the council board so much. So I didn't get to interact with them. Um, Nick, I, I, I just love Nick. I think he's amazing. So I got to become um, on set. He was very complimentary of of me and i appreciate it because i love his character and i went up to him and told him i said you know i just think you're just amazing over at that that and we have some mutual friends so we talked about that um <clears throat> and he's the one that in in turn uh said uh you know we think you're doing a great job and i really like what you're doing what have you and i thought wow you know somebody that I admire was uh returning the compliment mm -hmm. um you have to understand when the show the show is set up in a way that once the cast, they've they've gelled. So every time I come in, I have to try to ramp up to yeah. catch up to them. Yeah. So I'm always feeling like, oh my God, I'm so behind. And I just hope I say what I'm supposed to say. And I say I my intent, I just hope my intention comes across. I get the scenes, I look at it, I've come up with an idea what I want to do, see what everybody else is doing during the rehearsal, because you do the different camera. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, this is my action in what I'm trying to do, and uh and hope that it lands. But I never know. And I don't particularly go back and watch me because <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh, my God, I could have done this. But you do that and you get really nitpicky about things. And yeah. it's, it's a death for actors because now you go to the next thing you're doing. You're like that third eye is right there saying you're doing the same thing you did that you didn't like. <laughs> and you're catching yourself and trying to edit yourself. That's the worst thing you can do. So I kind of like would catch things here and there, but not necessarily live in it. You don't want to get in your own head. No. I don't want to get in my own head because it's very easy to do. Um, I just want to be able to just be free and do what I do and then 
kind of let it land and hopefully it's appreciated and um and it goes it goes it goes across the way I intended to. Well, yeah. looking through your resume, you know, we see Alias, The West Wing, Shield, Monk, Will and Grace, which you've already mentioned. Uh, my name mm -hmm. is Earl. I watched that clip today. Um, Grey's Anatomy. So how did like, you know, comparing those experiences, the Parks and Rec, I mean, we've heard a little bit about the culture of the show, especially kind of with Amy as a showrunner. What, what's your feeling on that and mm -hmm. comparing the shows, you know, your experiences, I guess? Shows. Um, the, I have to say, I what I love, love, love about Parks and Recreation, they're like, they were a family. Mm. And they, because everybody knew that it was a gift to have a series regular on a show, it was a gift that the show was picked up again. Everybody appreciated every moment that where they were there mm. and they treated each other with respect. So you didn't hear any bitching and this and that and what have you. There was one of the, one of the, scenes where we were all sitting in and when she spilled the coffee on me that whole oh, yeah. scene there um yeah. we were sitting there and we shot that that we shot that scene um the day after the sag awards so amy was up for best actress in comedy series as well as her best friend uh tina fey and tina fey won i remember that and so jokingly you know she said uh, on set, you know, she's like, what does, you know, what does a woman have to do to, you know, to get a, an Emmy, uh, an Emmy or um, around here or whatever SAG award. And, uh, one of the sobering parts after that, and we were all laughing because we knew what she meant by it. Cause Tina won, what have you, uh, was that she said, but the blessing is that she gets to come back here on Monday. 75% hmm. of the actors that were in the room with her did not have a job to go to the next day. Wow. Wow. That's a sobering thought. You know, they, yeah, their, their moment happened and they were there for it. Yeah. But the series is over or it was a guest star or what have you. So, you know, as actors, we're journeymen. We're as good as our last job. Mm -hmm. So if you get a series regular, it's like, okay, that's steady income coming. And I can count on that. But you're always setting yourself and positioning yourself to get the next gig that will hopefully last a certain period of time to keep the income coming in. And what you're doing so because of knowing that it's a precious gift when you get the opportunity to have a show that's lasting as long as this one did seven seasons when they only thought they were when they were threatened to be canceled the first season the second yeah. season third season and just on and on and on and they made it to seven seasons so each time we came back it was like hello everybody welcome back we're so happy to be back because it was at the last minute i'm sure you know other people you've interviewed share that um, that that was the case. So I, I always felt like everyone there was so grateful to be there. That's not the case on every set because there's always people that's they've been doing it a while. They get a little disgruntled. This didn't happen. That didn't happen, or what have you. Um, and the other set that I was on that I felt um, really appreciated being there was Grey's Anatomy. Ellen Pepeo really took good care of me mm. in that process. She was incredibly gracious and kind and down to earth and as as was curious about me outside of the show and what i was doing on it oh wow in our conversations in between takes and that doesn't happen often because mm. the star of the show usually leaves and goes in their trailer and sits yeah. there and set up for it and i understand it because yeah. it's not it's not a shade or being um um dismissive it's just that when you have so many scenes to do you're yeah. working on this scene, you know, you have this other scene coming, you have to memorize and get ready for that scene. So 
sitting around and kidding around with you know actors is not always um advantageous to what you're trying to accomplish for the show but she took the time to always just hang out and while while we're shooting the scenes that's great to hear because i mean like parks and rec i mean that show I mean, talk about guest stars. I mean, with that many seasons and just one after another after another, because they'd have like probably what, an A, B, and a C story and six different mm-hmm. guest stars every week. So um, that's that's a, a testament. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, there was, and I've gone, I've seen some, I've gone back and watched some episodes just to, as people were coming up and saying things about Councilman Hauser. Mind you, you know, I was in grad school, I completed and I was doing that. And I, given up acting for about five years yeah. um, after that. Literally last 2.22 is my back coming back to acting. Because after Parks, I kind of started in a journey um, in the mental health field mm-hmm. and worked in, in that area for a while. And a friend of mine found my, would ask me about an episode that she was going to be in and they were looking for someone. She's like, you're perfect for it. Why don't you do it? I was like, I haven't, my stuff is not updated. I've not been in it. I'm supervising <laughs> 13 people for this company right now. And and she's like, no, you should be acting. And so she submitted my information to her manager and agent. And wow. I'm back in there and things started going well. And I just left the other job. So you never know where things are, how things are going to happen. Because I got to the point where I, I love, I love, love storytelling through character. But the business of it started to chip away at the love mm. that I became, I, 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 the joy wasn't there anymore. When I, when I started and I got an audition, it's like, yes, okay, what am I going to do? When it got to the point, I was like, oh, I got to go there and get a clothes. And I got, oh my God, I got to drive across town. And got when you get to that, I was like, you're not in it. And that's going to come across mm. on your work. And you're going to get even more frustrated for doing, for not doing your best work. So I took a step back to regroup and and say, okay, let me get back to the love, why I entered the business and how much I love it. I mean, mental health is, I love that part of it because it's about psychology. It's about human behavior. It's about what makes people do what they do or go against their own nature based on the circumstances they find themselves in, which is always fascinating because there's always a subtext that makes characters do things that seem out of alignment of how they present. So, and I love that. And that's always my, my kind of little inroad into acting and what I love about it. It's those little nuances. And so I basically just threw myself back into it and, and just got back in and doing it now. And I have this pack full of commercial running because I never did commercials because I was too busy working. Right. Um, I was doing therapy with kids. I'd get my, my days, what the week that I'm going to be working. And I rearranged my schedule with the kids I was doing therapy because my call time was always very early. So I could push their sessions later in the afternoon. Yeah. I work with some clinical supervisors in my day job. So um, I, I kind of know what that world's like a little bit. So uh, I can see why maybe you were ready for a break. <laughs> yeah. It's tough out there right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. So, yeah, but I've been very um, fortunate and, and, um, the way things have unfolded uh and with parks and recreation it was a gift that i didn't even know because once i stopped it was a, somebody asked me and said do you know you're a meme and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> and it's like i'm i literally i was clueless because i, I don't go on google myself i don't 
And and the way I found out was I started this position with a company um, for that we provided services to the developmentally disabled community. So I'm the supervisor and I'm meeting all my staff for the first time. And one of the staff members said, you know, broke it and just said, we know you're an actor. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. So I had to <laughs> sidestep that and, and it's like, and then finally he said, and I said, I said, please keep that between us. And he's like, well, I would like to, but all of us know because we all Googled you. Wow. And that was the first time I was like, oh, you could Google me? <laughs> it was like, that's when the light bulb went up. And then a friend of mine said, you know, you're a meme. And I was like, what are you talking about? So that's when I Googled and I was like, wait a minute, all this stuff. And I was, so I would Google my name and I say, yeah, I did this, did that. And it's like, no, Google Councilman Hauser. Oh, and I yeah. had no idea this old other stuff existed on Councilman Hauser. And that's when I found out how popular each character had their own thing going on in Nick Offerman's character, how much people, yeah. which everybody <laughs> loved anyway. Sure. But you know, the mustache mugs and all those things. I was like, wow. It's just like, I had no idea. There's a whole culture out there. And with you doing 19 yeah. episodes, I mean, you're you're one of the better known guest stars. So I think Absolutely. it's, yeah, not surprised. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Really did not have any idea about it. I'm finding that out as I run into people and they ask me, and sometimes they would say, um, you remind me of somebody. You look just like, and I just, <laughs> I would. I would, I would just keep my mouth shut. Uh -huh. I remember my sister one time we were out and and we were having dinner in New York and and she and the waitress came. She's like, oh my God, you remind do we know each other? I feel like I know you. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I, I live in LA, but I'm here. I used to live in New York. Maybe we have mutual. She's like, no, what? And I said, and finally she's like, I'll figure it out. And she went off and my sister's like, why didn't you tell her you're an actor and you're on you're on this show and you're on that show? I was like, did we the last time I did that? I we listed my resume like I don't watch that. No, I don't watch that. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I said, you know what? From now on, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna play like I don't know. Maybe we have mutual friends or something. Cause it was so embarrassing, I gotta tell you. I was like, well, I did this show. I was like, mm, I don't watch that show. Uh this show. Oh, I don't watch that show. I was like, this show. Oh, I don't watch that show. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, well then you don't know me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Wow. But I learned that lesson. Wow. Yvonne, I got to say, I, I know that we, we've had uh, we've been lucky enough to interview other other people that have played characters on Parks and Rec. And we've heard very much the same thing that you told us. And it's always just so gratifying to hear that, that you had such a good experience. And I mean, honestly, it wasn't that long ago that I just had the perspective of a TV watcher. I thought, well, well, obviously all these actors and actresses have a great time, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I learned mm -hmm. from, from a few that, you know, that's not always the case. Um, they were very polite. I mean, they didn't mm -hmm. trash any other shows or people yeah. or anything, but they said, you know, what we had on Parks and Rec and others, it's not just Parks and Rec, but yeah, yeah, we had a, yeah. what we had on Parks and Rec was really, it, it was special, like lightning in a bottle special. Like that's lightning. awesome. Lightning. Absolutely, Mark. That's it was lightning in a bottle special. And I didn't. It, and the thing about it is, I don't think at when you're on the show, you don't recognize it, especially in a show like that, that was that was always being put to the side and at the last minute being yeah. added onto the the um, time slots. So there was always, well, let's make the best of this moment because we don't know if we're coming back. This is the year. Let's just have a good time. 
So I think that set up the whole premise of us all just diving in, enjoying the moment and not making, not bitching about anything that you felt because everybody's like, okay, we'll fix it. We'll work it out. Well, everybody was accommodating to each other, which made it so much more relaxing and fun. Uh, and it, I have to say, um, besides the, Amy Poehler set that tone because she's basically the, the, the lead in the show. And whenever a show has its little, I would say any kind of negativity going on, yours have to start at the top because somehow that's being filtered down. And with her, she was always extremely gracious, of course, professional. Um, but because she knows the journey of where she, how she got to where she got to, she never forgot that there was a challenge. It's challenging to be. And when you have that opportunity that come, came together like that, it's really special and to take advantage of it and really enjoy it as much as you can. I think everyone, and she passed that down to everyone that was, that came on the show. Wow. That's awesome. Yvonne, I read yeah. you were born in Haiti and then uh, grew up in the garden state. So, so how, tell us yeah. a little about that. Yeah. I, um, my parent, my mother came first. Um, she was sponsored by a friend and she did domestic work and she was a nanny then sent for my father and then sent for us, my brother, my, um, my sister and my brother. <clears throat> and we came in 1969. And so I uh, was about four and a half. Oh. I turned five here and I started kindergarten, went through my, my grade school in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Oh, wow. So Jersey, yeah. Springsteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is backyard. Uh, yeah. Stone pony. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Yeah. All of that. And so uh, did that in Rutgers was my, uh, college choice, and ah. I did my degree at Rutgers. But I didn't discover acting till my junior year at Rutgers because it wasn't something that was. I didn't have a theater department in my high school. Mm. We didn't have a theater department. We had a um, forensic department where we did. I did speech and debate. Mm. So that was. I knew I loved. I didn't know how to. I didn't know anything about acting. I didn't know how to get into it. I watched TV. I wanted to do that, but there was no outlet for me to do that or find out how to do that. So the only thing I I saw was an opportunity was being part of the speech and debate team, as well as they had dramatic interp where you would learn a monologue or scene and you would do that. And that was the only acting kind of thing that I did in high school. And when I got to Rutgers, I was I was a communications major and I just thought, you know, my parents acting was not it as an immigrant. It's doctor, lawyer. <laughs> and yeah. and I kept thinking, I was like, you know what, I I like all those professions, but maybe I can be an actor and I can do those at one point or another. I can have be a lawyer, doctor, what have you. And so I took an acting class, and I'll never forget it. As Bill Esper was the head of the acting department at Rutgers, he's like the guru of Meisner, and his protege. Um, I took a class with her, and she. In a in an interesting way, encouraged me without without making it obvious that she was singling out certain people. Mm -hmm. And I went to New York and I started studying with uh, after studying with different people. Uh, I started studying with a man named Alan Savage, and that and I studied with him for like seven years. And then I went to grad school, got my master's, just in case I thought maybe at some point if things didn't work out, right. I would teach. Uh, sure and. And that's how it all it all unfolded wow. for me. And I mean, it was like one step, you know, a door would open, I'd walk through and I'd be like, oh, okay, this is where I'm going now. And then another door would open. I was like, oh, this is where I'm going now. It really just kind of, I'm one of, 
I have a very strong spiritual base. So I'm very aware of, of um, signs mm. where things are just popping up. Just seems a little bit just out of the ordinary that piques my interest to look into it. And it turns out to be the next move that I should do. Wow. And so that's how pretty much even how I got to L.A. Same thing was, was yeah. little things just opened up. And next thing you know, here I am. Wow. <laughs> was it yeah. principally television that brought you to L.A. from the East Coast? Yeah, television, because I was doing regional theater up and down New York. I, I, you know, the the idea of the ultimate things to be on Broadway, which yeah. I wanted at one point and still still it's still there. But for black actors, when I was coming up, which is um, <clears throat> late mid to late 80s, m musical theater was, was really available for mm. black actors on Broadway. There weren't really any plays. There was August Wilson plays, but those were coming out of Yale. So if you weren't part of the Yale mafia, hmm. getting in those shows was kind of either Yale or, or um, Carnegie Mellon, Juilliard, or NYU. Those were the, the schools that they were plucking actors from. And there weren't that many plays that featured African-American men or women. Yeah. So they would get that one from that one school, that one from that school to fill in those slots. So the opportunity for somebody like me who's studying, taking classes, not really in any kind of uh, elite school supporting and generating that you're worthy, mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to even step in. But if you do musical theater and you step up and you just show up at an equity hall, you open your mouth and you blow them away, guess what? You're getting in. And a few of my friends started that way because they were amazing. Right. Wow. Uh, and they didn't have to come from an elite school to get on. But I realized early on acting wise, a little different. And so that's why I went back. I was like, okay, these actors that are pulling, they're pulling from training schools. So let me go back to school and get some more training in, in classical and all that stuff. And that helped because that moved me, that brought me up to another level of people recognizing that I had the skill set to do more than what they were seeing. And, and so I started doing a lot of regional theater up and down the East Coast and eventually made my way to to California. And I went there without, uh, I was told by casting directors, like, if you're not, if you don't have a, a resume that from Broadway or we send for you, good luck mm. in trying oh, to wow. get started. And and they were right. I I have to say, I have friends that I've met, people I've met throughout the time when I was in LA, that actors, but they didn't have an agent. They've never been on set, yet they keep working at it and wanting to do it and wanting to do it. And it hasn't kind of worked out for them that way. So um, the amount of people in LA that want to be in the business is staggering. Mm -hmm. So if, if uh, the opportunities come up and the fact that I was able to work in a business that I love is, is a lightning in a bottle, especially for LA. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. you have and influencers that are getting roles because right. it's now with auditions. And I'm sure you've heard this. If you've interviewed some of the other actors, yeah. you get to, you have to get your social media um, numbers up because they're asking, especially for commercials. When you go in for a commercial, there's like, what's this number? And you're thinking like, what are you talking about? Right. There's like, Oh, and you hear 2000, you know, um, five, 5,000. And they're talking about the amount of followers they have. Yeah. And that will dictate if there are two people they're going after. There's like the one with the most followers is the one that's going to bring viewerships to whatever product they're pushing. So yeah. that's who's going to get the job yeah. as opposed to the mm -hmm. talent. That's too bad. So much more. So 
now you have influencers taking over acting roles because not necessarily because they're good, but because they have followers that will bring in the Audience. viewership. Yeah, I see. Wow. Wow. Well, we, we had Mo Collins on our show pretty early on and I was just, we follow her on social media and she just posted a week or so ago. She, she just went to her first in-person audition in like years. So are, are you finding that auditions are still primarily via tape or are you, have you been back in, in front um, of people? You know, they're getting back in front of people. I have to say it, it benefited me doing the tape because I'm, I don't, I don't consider myself one of the actors that book the room. Mm. Have you heard that term before? I, I have a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, a book, Mark booking the room is when your personality is such that they, they just feel so good being around you, um, that they want you, they want to work with you because ultimately you're on set for like 12, 15 hours or whatever. And so they want to make sure they can hang out with you and have a good time. So some people right. walk in, they do a nice job. But because their personality is so infectious, they're like, yeah, we want we want to work with him. We want to work with her. She's just so much fun. And she must feel so good. And she did a nice job. Meanwhile, another actor comes in there, not necessarily, you know, wowing them with her personality or their, his personality, but they nail that. But, you know, they did a great job in the acting. But it's like, well, we don't know if we can hang out with her or him, mm. but we can hang out with her. And she did a nice enough job. We're going to hire her. So you're booking the room. Wow. Not necessarily because you did the best audition. Yeah. But okay. you have the person now that people want to be around 24 seven. Yeah. And that makes sense. I'm, yeah. And, and I get it. And I know that I let my work speak for itself. So I'm, I like to do the work and then leave. So I don't necessarily, I'm not a schmoozer because some people come there. Hey, how are you doing? How are you? Oh my God, my kid just did this and blah, blah. And they just, everybody's laughing and having a great time. And then they do the scene. And I'll just come in and say, like, hi, my name's Yvonne Jordan. And I'm, I do it and I leave. So I don't really get in there and wow the room with my personality as much as I do the work, let it speak for itself, and I leave. So self-tapes benefited me okay. because it was about the work. Right. And my they, they could look at my resume for other stuff I've done. But also, I have a day job at the time. I get home at night. I do the self-tape. I couldn't leave my job because I, I was in a position where people I had a lot of responsibilities mm -hmm. um, that that people that looked up to me. And and so I couldn't just leave because I had an audition and run and go do it and come back, especially in L.A. with the traffic. <laughs> if I take the dog yeah. of the day, I'm off for the day. Yeah. You know, you have an audition going across country. That's going to be two hours, even though it's only 10 miles away. Wow. Because you're, right. you're dealing. So it, it benefited me commercially. Yes, we're going back into the room uh, as far as uh, guest starring roles and. Um, uh, series regular roles. Those are still self-tape. Mm. And I think when it gets down to the final, it's probably when they'll when they when they bring you in to meet with the they narrow um, it down producers and what have you. Yeah. But the in, the initial stages are still self-tape. When before it used to be through through um coming in. And it mm. it kind of uh there's good and bad in that because now the casting directors are not actively going out there going to see shows, going to see plays, going to see, to find characters and come up with interesting ways to, to broaden their, their, their scope of actors. So because you have the internet and you have uh, people influence or what have you, the self tape, they can get a hundred self tapes for well, one role. And if they're doing, yeah. let's say 10, 15 roles, that's a lot to look at. Yeah. 
So they rely on the managers that they are friendly with and the agents that they're friendly with to look at their stuff first. And if they're not getting anything that they want from that, then they go to the next and the next and the next. So the hope is that you're with a manager or an agent where the a casting directors like them enough to open their their files when they're submitted as opposed to sitting there. Because a good friend of mine's casting director, um, uh, Joel Thurm, who cast everything. And he was one of the uh, first casting directors I met who um, basically gave me a reality check in terms of what the business is going to be like mm-hmm. when I first moved to L.A. and started talking about uh, trying to get out there and get get seen and yeah. and what have you. And he was very, because he's done a lot. He's taxi. If you look at his resume, it's incredible mm-hmm. the amount of things he's cast. And he was known you know, he's kind of feared because he was Joel Thurman. He was the head of NBC casting. Okay. Wow. So he knew what he was talking about. And <laughs> he gave me some sobering advice. And so, and I hated him for it because they weren't <laughs> kind to me. Because, <laughs> you know, it was like, you're shattering my dreams. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> and he's the one that told me, if you didn't come from, if you're coming, if you're coming from LA, um, if you're coming to LA, without having a broadway credit good luck he's like then you fall in the middle of people trying to get noticed and you know you're not necessarily you're a nice looking guy but you're not drop dead gorgeous and you're not so awkward and quirky that you're going to be that interesting person that they're going to bring in the room because you have that quirkiness you're just middle of the road and there are plenty of middle of the roads so the people that are going to get ahead of you are the one that's drop dead gorgeous and the quirky ones. So good luck. And that was one of the things he said to me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in some ways he was right. Cause I'd, I'd watched that happen with people just moving up the rung because they have a certain something mm. uh, in terms of physical beauty or they're so quirky and, and others of us who are, cause I have my friends who are fit in the same category I fit in. We support each other and, uh, if I get an audition and I'm like, oh, my God, this is kind of in my real house. But my friend here, it is his deal. Mm. I'll call a meeting and say, hey, man, I'll for this audition. It's perfect for you. You should get your agent on it. Oh, it's nice. Because because the pie is there. It's it's everybody has an opportunity mm. and there's enough for everybody. I've, I've never been the one to think that to uh, um, discourage other actors. If I get a role. It's meant for me. What's mine is mine. What's theirs is theirs. I walk in the room. I see the other actors that we go in for the same things all the time. We say hello to each other. We acknowledge each other. If I don't get it, I hope you get it. You know, good luck. Have, you know, have fun out there. They're doing this. So when you go in there, make sure you do this because they're doing that. And give tips because you just left the room. I'm that guy. Um, Because I believe that what's mine is mine and what's theirs is theirs. So... I've always been one to look out for my friends when I know there's an opportunity that could benefit them as well, because it, it comes back to me and I've watched it come back to me tenfold as I moved through my acting career. Wow. That's so cool. That's huh. great. So not yeah. only is Councilman Hauser a great guy, so is Yvonne Jourdain. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank yeah. you. How did, let, me, let me ask you guys, how did you come to you? How did you guys come to this Pawnee? Um, it was during the pandemic. Podcast. Uh, I think we were both a little bit stir crazy and uh, we had been listening, I think, to Office Ladies a little bit and thought, mm-hmm. we love Parks and Rec. 
let's just try this and see how it goes. And, you know, if I'd thought about it and thought we might still be doing it four years later, I don't know if I would have done it. That, but we've had a great time, though. It's been <laughs> fabulous. I, mm -hmm. I think we've probably had going on 25 interviews now. And we, we've learned something in every one of them. And we've just been very lucky and blessed to talk to people like yourselves. So, oh, Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that Alan and I have, have known each other and worked. We've actually worked together yeah. uh, at the same company for a long, long time. Uh, we, we recently parted from that company and kind of went our own ways. But Alan and I remain good friends. And I, I think mm -hmm. for me, at least, I, I would think for Alan, too, you know, we wanted to kind of just have a project to give ourselves an excuse just to hang out and do something together, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, and as Alan said, we've been very, very lucky. Uh, the people that we've managed to talk to, they've been very gracious and, you know, wow. So this them. was, this was birthed during the pandemic. Yeah. 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 We started wow. in 2020 Mark. Is that right? November, 2020. Yes. Yeah. That's so, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. We've had a blast. And this like is a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're this a is podcast. a podcast. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. We may eventually wow. convert some of this to YouTube because we're, we're getting close to the end and we might have a little more time to do that. But as we were, as we were mm -hmm. doing it, it's just been a podcast so far. So, but it's been a blast. We, we oh, have sorry. faces for audio. Uh, you oh know, yeah. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Yeah. You never know. Hey, um, anything can happen as you guys are experiencing four years later. Yeah. 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 It's been a you good know, creative outlet. I would say that to anyone who wants yeah. to try it. So. Yeah. 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 Have any of you ever acted? I did a little in high school and mm -hmm. I was a theater minor in college, but really didn't pursue it. I was a communications major. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know what that's like. Yeah. So oh, all, I do. All, all I've ever done is it actually similar to what you mentioned, Yvonne's, uh, in high school, I was on the speech team mm. all four years and, um, that, that's about my creative wheelhouse. I'm not, I'm not one for like off the cuff improv either, but I, mm -hmm. but I appreciate humor so much. And Mark, I always, uh, I've seen you do improv. Yeah. Actually, Mark took an improv class and I went to it and I saw him perform. He was really good. <laughs> He's quite good. Actually. Yeah. I, I but, pay him to say that. <laughs> no, but I have to say being a part both of you guys co-hosting this podcast, you're improving because you're getting information, you're spinning. And so the skill is there. It's part of the same skill as an interviewer to have that, be able to come up with things off the cuff because we've never met and you're asking really good questions and it's, Thank you. you know, we're, we're flowing Thanks. and vibing here. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. But, no, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. You should see our script. We're totally off of it. So. <laughs> which is good we like that actually uh, which is great alan you asked the question i was gonna ask what are you doing that's right that's right we're sending notes to each other the whole time so oh my god that's hilarious well yvonne we no. always try to ask you know what's what's next for you where, where can people find you do you have anything that we should be on the lookout for i know you mentioned a commercial um, and i think i saw it it's a Paxlovid commercial, and yeah. it's just uh, starting. I know it was running on digital media, Facebook, and what have you. And then it was also running nationally, but they had it on digital media. Because the cases of of, of um, COVID has gone up again, they, mm -hmm. they're running the commercial. Um, and there's another Volkswagen commercial that I have that's running spot somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, right now, I'm currently just auditioning. I have a, a film that I am doing uh in the end of february um 
because during the strike, what I ended up doing was getting working with uh, master's students at UCLA and USC mm. because they weren't part of the SAC contract. Right. So they kind of deferred contracts. So in order to keep my skills sharp while the whole strike was happening, while we were striking, I was shooting um, student films. It's also a great way to work on the craft and do and get cast in things that I typically am not getting cast in yeah. um, in the um, SAG arena uh, because they're more creative and more willing to think outside the box yeah. uh, with with the student films. So I've done a, a couple of those. And um, right now I've had some auditions that waiting to hear, as most actors do, you go in, you do what you do, yeah. you send it in and let the chips fall where they may. So yeah. That's where I'm at. And I'm just really getting back into it, guys. I am building my, asking my friends, what do they have out there to platforms they have? Because I've been out of the game for, for so long. So, you know, 2022, 23 was really because 2022 is when I got my manager and agent and they started submitting me. And I, and the things that I went up for started to show up in 2022, 23. So really 2023 is where my acting picked up again. Yeah. And now we're going to 2024 to keep it moving. Wow. And you had a strike right there in the middle of it too. So that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So that strike kind of yeah. slowed everything down again when momentum was happening. And um, I still kept working. That's why I was saying I was doing the student films in between to keep I love things that. moving. You never know when yeah. one of those directors is going to remember you in the future if they hit. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, exactly. I know that's happened with some, you know, some directors go on to become very famous and they use like Spike Lee, he yeah. used a lot of his oh, yeah. actors that he worked with when he was in grad school. Yeah. And they kept coming up and showing up in different aspects of his movies. Yeah. So that can happen with anyone. And and I'm not at, at um the work is the work and I'm mm -hmm. I'm about the work. So if there's an opportunity for me to do something I haven't done and I appreciate the professionalism that uh that the cast and crew um I will jump in and do it. And um, yes, I'd like to get paid, but I'm also more interested in doing something I haven't done before or exploring uh, other characters I haven't done before in the process, just trying to get better at every turn and every opportunity I can become better at what I'm doing. I, I jump on it. Wow. Cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah. We, uh, we we look forward to seeing you out there again. And thanks again so much for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. Absolutely. And, uh, Oh, thank like you. I said, we're just thank you guys. blessed to get to talk to people like you. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Alan and Mark, thank you so much for reaching out. And I know we've been going back and forth, Alan, about this and, <laughs> and getting together and missing each other. And I didn't quite know how this was going to work and how it worked, but um, I'm grateful that you guys reached out and uh, we were able to come to terms with a time slot and, yeah. <laughs> and meet. Yeah. It's our pleasure for sure. So awesome. thank you again. Yes. Yeah. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Alan. All right. You're welcome. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right, everybody. We're back. Well, hey, Mark. Uh, I think we delivered on what we promised. That was a great conversation with Yvonne. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, he was a, he was a blast to talk to. Very interesting, as you said, very down to earth. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. 
Yeah. It took us a few minutes to get that interview together. We've played uh, ping pong on Facebook uh, Messenger there for a long time, but uh, <laughs> glad it finally happened and we got some time with him. And, uh, you know, um, I, it was interesting. This is uh, this was recorded a little while ago. This was in uh, right at the new year, pretty much. And I know that right. we were we weren't yet getting this awesome weather we've been having here in, uh, you know, north of Pawnee right now. But right. at that time he was in beautiful Palm Springs and we were suffering. So you could hear it in our voice. We were very, very jealous. That's yes, right. we were jealous. So anyway, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Yvonne Jourdain. And uh, that's just one of the things that's been a perk of doing this show over the last four years and uh, something we've really enjoyed. And we, we hope you enjoy them too. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.